Okay, here we are. The Zilosophy Podcast. Your host, Z. Uh, that's what they call me. Michael Zildjian is my name. Uh, this is a very exciting day. First of all, uh, I do want to introduce you to my guest, Sophia Willinger. Hi. And we'll get to her in a little bit. First, I'm going to ramble for a minute because this is the first Zilosophy podcast ever done in a studio. We got real microphones, a real producer, Terry over there working things, making sure the sound's all right. So um, I'm a little uncomfortable in the professionalism of this <laughs> podcast right now. You guys may not know this. Uh, I'm talking to Sophia and Terry, but uh, for the listeners, you may remember, I actually did a podcast in a, with a microphone and a laptop in a rental car once. So this is quite a different setting than that. And uh, I'm very excited to be doing more and more podcasts and have this collaborative agreement with Lex Media here in Lexington, Massachusetts. Uh, we're going to get into some exciting stuff uh, with with Lex Media. I got, I'll tease you now. We're also in the process of developing a TV show, uh, which could be very interesting. So we're not here for that today. Today we're here to talk to Sophia. So how you doing? I'm good. And you're right. This is like a very legitimate setup. I feel it's way professional. Yeah. <laughs> I feel I feel unworthy, but I'm gonna work past my own self criticisms and self doubts and push on forward to to uh, do a professional podcast in a professional studio. How about that? Yeah, look at us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I'm not sure how familiar you are with Zilosophy, uh Sophia. Sophia's mother, Florence, is the executive director here at Lex Media, and I thought we'd throw her daughter right under the bus in the first uh, studio podcast we did. She was in a meet. She was stumbled into a meeting we were having a couple weeks ago, and I thought, uh, you know, here's a bright young woman, and I wonder what she has to say. And we don't really know each other, right? Yeah, I mean, we've met once. So. Yeah, so this is new for me too. You're typically so far, I've done podcasts with family and friends and people that I know. Um, but it's a good test to see if I can just have a normal conversation with someone I don't know. I'm yeah. usually pretty good at that. I mean, it's but, a good test for me, too. <laughs> yeah, right? Well, right that, together. That's it. Life is a test. So just to bring you up to date on the very basics of Zilosophy, what we're talking about here really in general, and everything always comes back to this, Zilosophy for me breaks down to uh, three things. It's self-awareness, honest but empathetic self-evaluation, because sometimes we can be way overcritical of ourselves. I'm right. certainly guilty of that. And then uh, commitment to making good choices. And I often joke, have joked with my friends and family that have been on the podcast that this is really just a uh, kind of a half-assed free therapy for me and my friends. So we <laughs> I'm into that. <laughs> we, we talk about, I'm not a therapist, so I can't really give you therapeutic advice. But the point is, is that Life is difficult, right? Mm -hmm. I think you've figured that out by now. Oh, yeah. And um, so what we do on here is we talk about the difficult things, and we do it in a public format so that it may help other people. And I have shared lots of stuff on the podcast, as have my guests, um, that you know lead to helping other people. And I've gotten some great emails and feedback about, hey, you know, that's something I was struggling with too. It was great to hear you talk about. It. So that's what we're talking about. You're an open book, you said to me beforehand. So I'm going to hold you to that. It can be unfortunate um, sometimes, but yeah. in this particular context, it's good. <laughs> it can be. It can be. A gift and a curse, if right. you will. So how's life going, Sophia? Life's all right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I feel like I'm at somewhat of like a crossroads right now. Um, Perfect. Let's talk about that. So for 
everyone because uh, literally no one here knows me except for Terry. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Terry knows you. Yeah. Um, so I'm Sophia. I'm 26. Um, I graduated college about three years ago. Um, I've been working temp jobs for the past three years. Um, I just finished up one recently, and um, I've kind of decided that temp work is no longer for me. Um, you hung in there for quite a while. Good for you. Yeah, I really did. <laughs> um, I mean, so the temp work I was doing, it wasn't like a couple weeks. It was like a couple months. Sure. Right. So um, sure. that would be really hard to do three years of changing every couple weeks. Oh, my God. Can you imagine? <laughs> no, I can't. I'm not built for that kind of change. Yeah, me I don't think any of us are, really. Yeah. I mean, maybe for like a couple months but for three years that'd be a lot sure jobs (laughs) so this is sort of what i want to get into it's a great lead-in and i'll just kind of prompt you a little bit more um so one thing i figured out in my 20s and then as i turned 30 is that uh, society teaches us that by the time we're in our mid-20s we're supposed to have it all figured out yeah right we're supposed to be adults and we vote and we have jobs and we have all that stuff Mm -hmm. and then i hit 30 and i realized oh man i don't know anything (laughs) (laughs) and then and then as you get older you realize that you never really figure it out completely you just do your best but um i think this is a really cool thing because i think i have some friends that are in their mid-20s i have lots of friends of all ages and and a big chunk in that group so that's what i wanted to talk to you about is like this is a difficult age really because you're kind of stuck in the middle and not sure which way to go and how to do it and so I just want you to talk a little bit more about that, like what it feels like, what are, what are the challenges that you face, uh, how, do, how do you keep going when you don't know where you're going, you know, all that stuff. Right. I mean, I, the first thing I'll say about it is it's freaking scary. Yeah. Like, I look That's around good. at, like, my friends and, um, you know, just even people I don't know but, like, who seem like they have it together. Yeah. Like, there's people my age that, like, have had jobs for several years, like, with the same company and, like, know what they're doing and have, like, a clear-cut path. And then I know, like, some of my friends have struggled as well. Like, they've, you know, gone back to school because they don't like what they're doing or, like, they've changed jobs several times. And, like, I am aware that there are other people who are struggling, but it's weird because... Like, I still feel like their lives are more put together than mine are. Yeah. Mine is. Um, and it's, like, that comparison always kind of hurts yeah. if you feel worse about yourself, right? So here's some amateur therapy for you. Um, <laughs> here's a little secret. Nobody has it together. <laughs> we're all faking it. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> That's just the reality. Um, and we're all struggling. Yeah. That's the way life is. So I think that, and again, this is a good conversation for you and people your age to realize it's okay, right? Right. Like you're supposed to be struggling. You're not supposed to have it figured out. You're probably never going to have it all figured out, but you'll figure out things along the way. Right. So the the question is like right how do you how do you deal with that how do you deal with the the pressures of society that that make you feel like and all of us felt at that age that oh, we should have more figured out right like i should right. be i should have a steady job and i should be starting a family well maybe if you're really on the fast track but probably not right. more likely you should really just figure out who you are until you're about 30 and then go oh now I get it. I know nothing. Let me start from here. <laughs> that was all practice. Um, and I think that I tell this to people of your age all the time because I went through it. I was, 
um, for those who don't know, I think I've talked about it on the podcast, but I was married when I was 26. I married my college girlfriend, and we were divorced by the time I was 28, 29. Okay. And so that was a really difficult time for me because I was going through that age when I thought I was supposed to have it all figured out. I right. was married. I had a house. I had a great job. I had dogs. I had cars. I had all the stuff that we thought that you would want. And like, oh, okay, I'm an adult now. Right. And then I got divorced and had to really look at myself and my life and deal with the the feelings of failure that I had. Like, I'm, I'm a failure already at 28, 29. And then yeah. what I realized was, Oh, I'm not a failure. I haven't even started yet. You right. can't fail if it doesn't really count yet. No, the thing is, what you're <laughs> saying is like exactly how I feel about myself like so often. Yeah. Like right now I'm working at a brewery and I like my job. It's fun, but it's also like not what I see as my career. Yeah. Right? It's not something I want to do forever. And so having this like like food industry job and like having everyone else I know being in like an office and like having like you know, benefits and stuff. And like a lot of them are in like long-term relationships and I'm like not even close to that. <laughs> right. Like I literally feel like I'm failing at being an adult. I'm like, okay, yeah. I still have this job that like a high schooler could have. I'm still alone. Just like I was in high school. Like yeah. I'm failing at being an adult. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you are. And that's because you're not an adult yet. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and so that's okay. So you're not failing because it's not really time to adult yet. It's time to start practicing adulting and figuring it out and like what it is and what it means. The 20s are really – and I, and the reason I wanted to talk to you about this is because I figured that just by hearing a little bit when I met you. And I think that it's a really underserved conversation in our society that – People in their 20s don't realize that it's okay to not have it figured out. And it's okay to be struggling and not know who you are and what you want and how it's going to work. Right. Right? So um, this is the, that's this is what we do here on the Philosophy Podcast, right? We talk about the difficult things and we uh, make ourselves vulnerable so that we can help other people. And then what I've realized for me, and I hope that you realize today for you, is in doing that, it helps you too. Because hopefully you walk out of here going, hey, you know what? It is okay. Yeah. I'm going to be all right. <laughs> yeah. that's, that's my hope anyway. I hope so too. It sounds nice. <laughs> yeah, it does sound nice, right? You know, and and it's a choice, right, in terms of how you look at yourself and where you are. You get to choose how you view yourself. So that's what we talk about with the self-awareness and honest but empathetic self-evaluation. That's where the empathy comes in. That like, And it takes someone like me or someone else to say, hey, you know what? It's okay. You're not supposed to have it figured out yet. Right. You're supposed to be playing around and, and learning who you are so that you can one day figure it out and right. realize what your gift is and what you want to bring to the world. And that's really what, what my mission is, is to sort of wake people up to that, that we all have gifts and we all have things that we can bring to the world. How do we figure that out? How do we get out of our own way? Right. Yeah, so um, I know that there's something else that I think uh, you recently had to move back with your parents as part of this. Is well, that... I haven't finished the move yet, but okay. I'm in the process. So you're yeah. in the process. So yeah. that's another confronting thing where it makes you feel like you're a failure, right? Yeah, that's another, exactly. It's yeah. like I failed at even living alone. Like, yeah. <laughs> I can't even <laughs> right. do that, right? But again, at 26, that's okay. I'll tell you a story about me that most people don't know. When I moved back here in 2015, uh, and even for about a year, year and a half before that in Los Angeles. So really, what is this, 2019, we're going on 2020. For the last five and a half years, I have paid rent only six months. Really? I've been living with friends and family while I figured out how I wanted to recreate my life. So mm -hmm. I went through this whole career in the music business 
um, for the f- first half of my life, I had this great, cool job. I thought it was awesome. Everybody thought I had this great life, this great career. Yeah, it was cool, but it wasn't for me. And, and I figured it out a little bit later in life. So I just decided to make the leap and jump and say, I'm going to do something different. I don't know how what it is. I don't know how it's going to play out. Wrote the book, started the podcast, making videos, talking to kids at school. Now it's kind of all working out. But in that process, as an adult in my 40s who had lived his whole adult life since he was 18 alone, mm-hmm. or when I was married, not alone, but with roommates and whatever, but as a, 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 a self-sufficient adult, right. I had to make that move back to live with family. Now, there was a lot of benefit to that as well because I had lived in California for 20 years, so I hadn't been around my family that much. Right. But I also liked my own space. Yeah, that's the problem, <laughs> right? right? <laughs> and it doesn't matter if you're married or go back to live with your parents, even if it's people that you love. Roommates suck. Oh, <laughs> that's just the way it is, right? Yeah. Like it's way better to live on your own and do your own thing. So yeah. um, again, I tell you all of this and I say that to people out there that this is something that I had to deal with. And even as an adult and, and knowing that I had been self-sufficient and had a good career – it was very confronting to me and, and still is. I, I really haven't talked about it much publicly. So I'm doing that now today for you, for your benefit and for everybody's benefit out there to say, you know, it's okay. There's also something else important that really helped me with that, that may help you. Um, at my age, I'm 45, I've had lots of friends lose parents already. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a shame, right? And, yeah. and a tragedy uh, in many ways. And so the fact that even when I stay with my parents and they annoy me at times, as your parents do, that's just the way it is. Even though you love them, that's going to happen. Um, I realize how lucky I am to have this time with them, especially as someone who lived away for a long time. Um, many of my friends would I can't imagine what they would pay or what they would give up to have those moments back with their parents that they lost. Right. So I offer that as you, to you as a little bit of solace to like, it's not going to be forever, uh, but, you know, stay present in those moments while you're there and realize in many ways you're very lucky. Right. Yeah. I mean, on some level, I do know that, um, you know, I'm lucky enough to have a family that is like totally okay with me moving back home, like. They're going to be supportive of me no matter what I do, right? Well, not anything. Like, I'm sure yeah. <laughs> if I turn to, like, drugs and alcohol, I'd probably be a little upset. I hope so. Yeah, but that's not really what I see happening. Um, I hope not. Yeah, me too. Um, <laughs> but, like, not everyone has the option to move back home. Mm-hmm. So I'm really lucky that I have that. Yeah. But it's also, like, I don't know, isn't it so wild that when you're a kid, like, you love your parents so much, all you want to do is spend time with them, and then the older you get, the more time you spend with them, the more you're like, oh, get away, like, I need my own (laughs) freedom. So that's, like, it really feels like it takes away a lot of freedom when you move back home after, like, living alone for a while. Yeah. But it's also, like, I'm also aware that um, they're giving me a lot of freedom by allowing me to move back like they're giving me right. time to you know figure out what I want to do save some money um yeah. and like they're giving me support while I have that freedom they're giving me you know right so it's definitely it's a mixed bag yeah <laughs> yeah well and again that's life right yeah. it's always a mixed bag it's never going to be great all the time right and hopefully it's never going to be terrible all the time there are those who those who go through tough 
stretches, and you know, this would be one of them. It's a very confronting, challenging time that you're going through. Yeah. But through those times is where you grow, right? Yeah. So if things were easy all the time, you wouldn't be forced to grow and learn. I've thought that before. So I'm one of those people that um, is like perpetually late for things. Okay. I've gotten significantly- you were on time today, though. I was, I know. Two minutes early <laughs> by my count. <laughs> so I congratulations. Should have been five. But <laughs> That's all right. We'll take two. <laughs> so Start I, um, small. It was really bad when I was younger, like in high school. I was I was that person that people would tell me a time like an hour earlier because they knew I wouldn't show up until <laughs> the actual correct time. Good to know. I'm yeah. gonna I'm gonna write a note down about that. <laughs> Embarrassing. <laughs> um, it's something that I've worked on a lot because at one point somebody told me that like. When you don't show up for things on time, it kind of says to someone else that your time is more important than theirs. And that kind of put things in perspective for me. So I try yeah. a lot harder now to yeah. be better. It's a good lesson um, and a good bit of perspective. Yeah, honestly, it was. Um, oh, man, I forget where I was going with this. <laughs> uh, let's see. You were talking about uh, being late and and that that was one of the things that you've worked on to overcome. Um, and I'm not really sure where you were going either, but I'm sure it'll come back to you. And in the meantime, we can, we can talk about something ca- else. carry on to something <laughs> Anyways, else. Anyways, fun fact, I'm late for everything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go. That's really what it was all about. She just <laughs> wanted to admit that publicly so we can all hold her accountable to be on time. Exactly. <laughs> right. So um, what do you want to do? Where do you see yourself going? What uh, What are the things going through your head in terms of like figuring things out? And, and again, with respect to... Well, something you said earlier just popped back in my head, and I don't know why it did now, but this is something we all do, especially in this day and age. We compare ourselves to other people. So you're talking about your friends that are your age that appear to have things more figured out. And I promise you, if you pull them aside and ask them if they answer honestly, they'll tell you that they have nothing figured out. They're just (laughs) pretending and doing the best that they can. And and sometimes that's all we can do. So um, without comparing yourself to other people and other things, what do you? Where do you think you fit in in the world, and what do you want to bring to the world? Well, that's what's so hard is trying to figure that out because, like I like I said earlier, um, I recently decided that like temp work is no longer working out for me. I want to figure something else out. Yeah. Hence the crossroads. Well, it's called temp for a reason. Right, You're exactly. not supposed to do it forever. <laughs> not very sustainable. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, like after spending all these times in like different offices, I've kind of come to the conclusion that like maybe working in an office isn't exactly right for me. Um, But that kind of eliminates a lot of the typical, like what society considers like a normal job, right? Right. So um, I've been trying to figure out where that leads. And um, the thing that's been really important to me pretty much throughout my entire life is um, the idea of like stories, like Mm -hmm. reading books, watching movies, listening to podcasts, all of it. Like it's all a form of storytelling. And that's the stuff that's really important to me. And that's the stuff that I want to pursue. Okay. So I'm trying to figure out what format I want to go about this. Okay. um, In a way that won't necessarily have me locked to a desk in yeah. office. Yeah, well, I think that you hit on a really important thing. Sometimes it's very important to figure out what you don't want, right. whether that's in a job or a relationship or a roommate or whatever, right? Right. And you've been to the, the benefit for you and what you've done is you've seen a lot of different offices, right, and yeah. a lot of different corporate structures, and, right. and you've 
figure out the things that you like. I mean, through my career, I've always had a pretty atypical career. I realized at a young age, too, that I wasn't meant for cubicles and office life. Um, Even before I started doing this, I had thought about, you know what, maybe I shouldn't struggle. Maybe I should just take, and I was in entertainment, so I should just take a a BS office job. And by this time in my career, I could make six figures easily, and but I'd be miserable, right? right? So what's the point? Like, okay, so... I have money now and I have that stability, but everything else in my life suffers. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So, um, you know, these are important questions we have to ask ourselves. And I still struggle financially incredibly with this. You know, the book has done very well. For those of you out there that haven't heard this podcast before, we're talking about Zilosophy on Golf, uh, which is available on Amazon in Kindle paperback and audiobook. If you like my voice, I read it myself. Um, but that's a book about awareness, right? So I sold this book. It sells okay. I can't make a living off of that. I go and do school talks now. I make a little bit more money off of that. I barely have done a few advertisements on the podcast, right? But I, um, I know that I'm doing the right thing for me, and I know that slowly things are heading in the right direction financially and much more quickly in all the other areas of the work that I'm doing because people are telling me early on that, hey, you've made a really big difference for me. Your videos, your books, your talks. I had a kid send me a long email telling me I changed his life at one of the high schools I spoke at. Wow. You know, there's no amount of money that can replace those moments, right? right? So it's like, what are you doing it for? And what's the measure of success that we've come to agree upon in our society? Mm-hmm. And you know, in the United States of America and mostly around the world, you know, capitalism is king and our religion is money. And so, you know, we're not successful if we're not making money. Well, who says, right? What is success? So I say all that to you because um, I happen to know this really good podcast studio. Oh, yeah. That you might be able to use and do your own podcast. Oh, interesting. (laughs) You, You know, so... Here's my journey was like I wanted to do something different. Um, you don't know this part of the story. The listeners know it, but I'll say it again quickly. It was all changed for me at the Boston Marathon bombing. I, that went, bomb went off. I was across the country in my bachelor pad in the Hollywood Hills. I was not rich, but making a good living, had a nice place, living a great lifestyle. And I realized that it was all meaningless because we don't know how much time we have, any of us. And you know, we can't keep treating each other like this. So someone's got to do something. I got to do something. That was my moment of like, okay, I'm going to do something different. And so, but I didn't know how to bridge that gap. And it took me years. I knew that I had to write a book, but I was, I'm not a writer. I I can't say that now, but I I wasn't a writer. (laughs) Um, And I didn't know how to do it, but I just started writing a book and writing an idea. So uh, for you, if you think office jobs aren't the best thing for you and that you've got this thing about stories, then you should just start telling stories. Right. Whether that's writing, doing a podcast. you got a place here where you can you know, do a podcast for free as a, as a Lexington resident. And uh, just start telling stories and talking to people about the things that you think matter to you. And through that journey, you start to figure out other things. Um, you know, Julie Manugian, who's not here today, and I was promised she would be my personal 
uh, producer for all my things here at Lex Media, but I'm glad Terry's here. <laughs> and I, I, I had this funny thought on the way over, like, wouldn't it be great, funny if I threw a tantrum that I was, on my first day, I was promised on my own personal producer at this small little community <laughs> organization. <laughs> Where is she now? You know, go all Hollywood in little old Lexington. But, of course, I didn't do that. But um, my point was that... Uh, so she started – uh, when I first launched the book, she started on me about doing a TV show. And I was like, I, I want to do a TV show. What are you talking about? Right? right? And so – because I had just written the book and I was focused on promoting the book and selling the book. And then eventually focused on using that as a platform to launch myself as a speaker. Oh, people actually like the book. They think I have something to say. Maybe they'll now let me go talk to organizations and schools, which has happened. Right. Then – um, one of the schools asked me to start making these videos. Hey, you know, we have this free block. Could you do these short videos, four or five minutes, and we'll use them as curriculum for kids. We want to give them some positive things to think about and some things to, you know, think about that they don't normally get. Yeah, sure. You're going to pay me to do that? Absolutely. I didn't know how to do it. I had never used iMovie or edited anything. It's not my background, but I figured it out. And then... I came back to Julie and said, hey, why don't you guys do a story on me in Lexington? I'm a mason in Lexington. I do a lot of charity work in the community. And so she doubled down and said, why don't you do a TV show again? And then I thought, okay, now I'm in a place where I think I can think about that. Um, so my point of saying all that is that, like, I didn't know where each step was going to lead. Right. Right. So sometimes you just have to focus on the steps in front of you. And, and I think that that's with philosophy and all the stuff I talk about, that's a really important thing for a lot of people is that to just stay present where we are at the moment where we are, right? It's so difficult, though. It's incredibly difficult, which is why it takes practice right. and why I talk about it a lot and why I wrote about golf at first because golf is a game that if you're not present in the moment where you're making that swing, it's really hard to play well. Right, that <laughs> when, makes sense. <laughs> right, and so life is the same way. When you're not present at the thing that's going on right now, like right now all that's happening is you and I talking. Right. We could both be distracted by all kinds of stuff about what we're going to do later today, what am I to do next week. Holidays are coming up. New Year's is coming up. 2020 is coming. I don't know what I'm going to do yet. Right? Like, uh -huh. You can get caught up in all that stuff or you can just say, well, I'm talking to Sophia or I'm talking right. to Michael. Right? Like That's what's happening right now. So that's the most important thing because it's the only thing happening. Right. All the stuff that happened before has already happened. You can't do anything about it mm -hmm. except learn from it. And all the stuff that hasn't happened yet hasn't happened yet. True, yeah. Right, so that's why in my book and, and a lot on this podcast, I talk about this book called The Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle. Oh, I've heard about that book, yeah. It's a great book. You should read it. Um, I read it right when I was getting divorced, and it really simplified things for me to, you know, because, again, being in my late 20s, and being divorced and feeling like a failure, like my thoughts were spiraling out of control about like what's the rest of my life going to be? I don't know. Like, I, Then I realized, well, I don't have to figure all that out right now. What I have to do right now is be present in this moment right. and just do my best right now. And if we learn, we learn the practice of doing that over and over and over again, then we bring our presence and we bring our best to each moment. And those eventually add up to all the things that we want to do, like Things that I've done, writing books and doing talks and uh, creating videos and now developing a TV show. Like I, I'm a very shy person. I don't particularly like this kind of stuff, right? Like right. putting myself out there in front of people. I'd rather sit in the background and listen. 
But what I realized is that I had kind of have a gift for this, and um, I can't help people from sitting in the back row. Mm-hmm. So I had to take the leap and work on my own self-criticism and my own self-judgments to go, all right, I actually have something to say, and people want to hear it. Right. It's still weird for me. <laughs> it really is. I, I don't see myself that way. But we don't see ourselves the way other people see us. Yeah. So um, I think that's a, maybe a good exercise for you to talk to your friends and family. Like, how do you see me? What do you think I could do? That's actually a really good idea. So something that I have been thinking about, like, while you told me your whole story is, like, um, while you were, like, you know, getting your divorce and, you know, whatever, everything else was happening, you were thinking to yourself, um, I feel like I'm a failure. But no one ever actually said that to you, right? No one. That was just you saying it to yourself. God, could you imagine the terrible friends and family I would have if they told me that? No, no one. They all were all supportive, as I'm sure your friends and family are of you. Right. That's the same thing with me. It's like, although I feel like I'm failing, no one else except myself has told me that I'm failing. Right. So I guess it really is all about, like not listening to that voice in your head and yeah yeah living in the moment right and making a choice right again it's awareness oh there's a voice in my head then the honest uh, but empathetic self-evaluation what is that voice saying is it helping me get me closer to the things that i want Mm -hmm. is it moving me further away from the things that i want and then making a good choice all right well i'm just gonna tune that voice out that voice doesn't know what it's talking about. Right. Or there are times when we have intuition, right, where the voice is strongly saying, you should do this thing. Right. And we, and we try to ignore it, but, like, you know, listen to it when it helps you move forward and tune it out when it doesn't. Right. right. Like, I think that's the that's the advice that, that I try and practice. Because, again, I don't have any of this stuff figured out. All the stuff I talk about, all the, the book I wrote, <laughs> I don't know if I've ever even said this publicly, but I... The truth is I wrote the book sort of as a guide to me, to my own self person. Like, what are the things I need to get better at if I want to be the best person I'm capable of being? Oh, interesting. Um, and so, you know, lots of other people have gotten a lot out of it because these are all things we can work on. Right. Right. So, But that was really the thought is like, I don't, I can't tell you what to do. I can't tell anybody what to do because I'm not Sophia. Right. I don't know what it's like to be you. I'll never know what it's like to be you. I know what it's like to be me, and I can talk about the things that I've been through in hopes that that sparks you to think about some things and help you along your journey, right? That's the whole point here. Right. So, you know, maybe you've got some stories to tell. Maybe you could start writing short stories just as a, as a, the way we do exercise to burn off energy. Maybe you've right. got some creative energy that you need to burn off. And and that will sort of free you up to be more present and more clear um, in other things. There's a book called The Artist's Way. Have you heard about that? I've never heard it, no. Uh, so it's an interesting book. I read it. I did it for a little while. One of the things in this book is that uh, this woman says you get up in the morning and you write three notebook pages like I have in front of me, legal pad size, mm-hmm. of just stream of consciousness thoughts. Really? And so it's like kind of like getting up in the morning and working out. Yeah. To just burn off some energy so that you're kind of calm and present for the day instead of being anxious. Right. But this is another way to do that with creative energy. Hmm. And you just kind of journal every day. It doesn't have to make any sense. You don't have to show it to anybody. You don't have to go back and read it. But you do that every day. And that's sort of um, one thing it does is, like I said, it burns off the creative energy and so that you're a little more present. But also it gets the creative energy going so that you're constantly practicing being creative and just letting thoughts out. 
Right. I really like that idea. Yeah. I think I, um, that could be something that's good for you. When I was in high school, I um, first originally decided that, like, stories were something that I really liked and I wanted to, like, kind of form some of my own. And I started keeping a, a dream journal so that, um, Great. Where I, like, if I had a cool dream, I would, like, wake up and write it down. It was the first thing I did. Yeah. And I feel like that exercise you just said is like taking that a step forward because mm-hmm. instead of like whenever I have a cool dream, it's like every day, like what's my head saying to me when I wake up, right? Right. I like yeah. that a lot. And then it's actually removing those thoughts from your head so that you have a clear palette to go into the day. Right. Which and you're not carrying old thoughts and old dreams. Right. And the dream journal thing is something I've been told by many psychics and mediums, something I should do every day and I don't. And I have very vivid dreams, some really? of some of which have been ended up in the book and have given me messages to share. Really? Yeah, I had a dream once um, where I saw the word faith clearly in my mind, big capital letters with a decimal point after each letter. And the message that was given to me was that faith means fostering awareness in the heart. Oh, interesting. And it was like, where did that come from? That didn't come from me, but it was clear that like, hey, this is a message you need to go share. Wow, that's um, really cool. And it was a message about intuition. We yeah. get caught up in these monkey brains that we have on our heads that they're so damn smart. And they are. They're great computers. They have great apps. They can get glitchy if we don't rest them just like computers. <laughs> it's true. But the real wisdom and intuition, uh, real intelligence comes through intuition where we can tap into something that we really can't explain. Right. Um, and the more that we turn our minds off and clear our minds, the more we're able to do that. Right. Yeah. So um, so I think storytelling is something you need to look into. You keep talking about that. Yeah. So that I seems <laughs> like something you need to explore. And again, I'm giving you the freedom that you're 26. You're supposed to be exploring. Right. Right. You're not supposed to be in a job where you're going to work for the rest of your life and have it figured out. Some people get that and then later figure out that wasn't the right thing. Or some people get that and and figure out what it's just like marriage right when people ask me when younger kids ask me i'm like do not even think about it until you're 30 unless there's something that tells you you just this is the right person you just have to do it because i don't think we really know who we are until we're about 30 and uh you know i had that conversation with a young friend of mine a few years ago i he asked me z what do you think and i said listen you're too young is what i think but I also know your girlfriend and she's pretty amazing and you probably will never find anyone like that again. So mm-hmm. if your intuition is telling you that you should do this, then you should do it. And I promise you it'll be fine either way. Did he get married? What happened? He did. He got married. They're still married. They actually spent a year apart due to um, due to work, mm-hmm. which was a, an incredibly challenging thing for a young married couple to spend so much time apart. And then I, I told him at that point... Um, by the way, hey, Max and Sabrina, hope you're doing well, um, that, uh, you know, this is a great challenge. You'll know after this challenge of living apart for a year because of work whether this is marriage is, is going to be right and whether it's going to be the right thing for you. Right. Through the challenges is how we figure stuff out. Right. Which is why you're being thrown to the wolves on the <laughs> challenge front now, right, in your life because yeah. there's stuff for you to figure out and there's lessons to learn here about that it's okay to be challenged. It's how do you rise to the challenge? How do you meet the challenge? And how do you accept it and learn from it? Right. Actually, when you said that, it made me think of, do you remember when I lost my train of thought earlier when I was telling yeah. you I'm late? <laughs> Bring it back. So um, the end of, the reason I was saying that is because sometimes when I'm 
like driving someplace and I'm like on the verge of being late, I'd be like, it's okay that I'm really nervous about being late right now. Like, this is what's keeping my life interesting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, that's an interesting way to justify it. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah, it's not really the right mindset. Um, but... <laughs> if you think anxiety is what makes your life interesting, um, I may have to have a talk with you off air. I don't know that that's the he- healthiest approach. Again, I'm not a therapist. <laughs> no, um, but like I said, um, like that's kind of something I did when I was younger, and now I'm yeah. actually better about it. So. No, I think that you made a joke out of it, and I'm making a joke <laughs> out of it too, right? Anxiety does teach us things that we're paying attention to. You know, the other thing is that most another conversation I like to bring to the public forum is that we're all we all have anxiety. Right. Everybody does. When I was growing up. You know, we nobody talked about it. It was basically, I won't use the words that were used in the athletic programs when I was a kid, but it was basically stop being a baby, oh, <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and they were using heart, more harsh language that was acceptable back then. But um, look, we all have anxiety, especially in this world with these phones and being constantly connected and we're constantly comparing ourselves to everybody else. Yeah. Right. So we need to understand that and accept it and realize that that's okay. And how do we reduce that? You know, I like to meditate. I like to practice yoga. What do you like to do to deal with your anxiety? Um, I really like, so I'm on a bowling team. I oh, like bowling. cool. <laughs> Candle that's pin, though. Great. Not regular bowling. Okay, good. Um, Keeping it real in the Northeast. Yep. I mean, if, for, you're, if your listeners aren't from here, they're going to be like, what's Candlepin? Right. Yeah. So it's a small ball that's the size of a softball, basically. Yeah. And much smaller pins. And you can whip it. Yeah. <laughs> which I enjoy. Those pins, they like <laughs> defy the laws of physics. It like doesn't, it's, yeah. you can hit it head on and it won't fall. It's right. so weird. Right. Anyways, um, I also, I enjoy writing like, um, not necessarily stories, but I find it very therapeutic for myself. Like if I've had a bad day, to just like write a diary entry and like just get it all out. Yep. Right. Yeah. And it's weird because I'll go into writing with like the intention of saying one thing and then like all this other stuff. Like sometimes I won't even hit what I started out on, you know, right. and I'll, like all this other stuff. And it's really therapeutic for me. Yeah. Um, also, just like working out in general. Yeah. Um, what you were saying about anxiety, though, is actually really interesting to me because um, like when I was working my most recent office job, um, I started to get really bad anxiety, like more so than I've ever had in a, a previous position mm-hmm. or like in the rest of my life. And um, it was kind of like the signifier for me where it was like, why am I having such a harsh reaction to like this particular work environment? Like what's going on? Yeah. And that's after the job ended, I was like, I can't be like that again. Like that was, it was kind of like a wake up call for me. It was like, this is not right. Like your anxiety is getting worse because this is not where you're supposed to be. Correct. You know? Yeah. It's very, very aware of you to notice that a lot of people don't. I know people that are twice your age or more that go through harsh anxiety and, and, and sometimes anxiety gets so bad that it it, it, um, it manifests itself physically mm. with illness and disease, which, you know, disease comes from dis-ease, right? Right. <laughs> right? Yeah. So, well, so a- anxiety can actually cause us to be sick and then people still ignore it. And it's like, you're not listening. Right. Right. So uh, that's a really important point you made for people out there and for yourself to realize that that sometimes anxiety is there for a purpose and it's to tell us that we're not doing the right thing and that you sure you're going to have anxiety about going into the unknown 
But is that anxiety better than the anxiety that you know is crippling that's holding you back from from being happy in the rest of your life? Right. Right. So, um, uh, yeah, I would say that that's a good bit of awareness for you to take forward and remind people and your friends, too, because, you know, uh, you may have friends that aren't as aware as you and they're struggling with anxiety and things like that and they don't talk about it because they have to pretend that everything's okay and they have it all figured out right that's what we do as people right, <laughs> right? <laughs> which is again why i do this and why i do it in the way that i do it because i'm not tony robbins right i don't have it all figured out i don't have a 10-step plan or all these little tricks and things i have some things that i can help people but i'm figuring all this stuff out constantly and i'm struggling with my own struggles as we all are and i think that You know, the more we can be honest with each other about that, the more freedom we give each other to just be and we can encourage each other like, oh, hey, you you know, wouldn't it be nice that in the office environment that instead of being competitive that we were, you know, collaborative and encouraging. Like, hey, yeah, it seems like you're having a bad day. Can I help? Can I do something for you? No, you're trying to like, oh, well, I'm competing against that person to get the boss's attention and get that promotion or whatever, right? Right. Um, yeah, and so if someone were to do that, the automatic instinct would be like, oh, this person's trying to make me look bad. Yeah, or what are they trying – why are they doing this? This is weird. What are they trying to get from me? Right, exactly. <laughs> right? <laughs> like just uh, – I just went through this recent experience. Um, so I'm a Mason in Lexington. And for people that – I've talked about Freemasonry on the podcast. I don't know what you know about it. But basically it's a fraternity where men get together to try and encourage each other to do their best, to bring their best to the world, right? And that's really what it comes down to in a simple way. Mm-hmm. One of the things we promise to do is to take care of each other when times get bad. So we recently heard about a guy that was in a nursing home in Belmont, a mile from where I live. He had been a Mason for over 40 years. He was a Vietnam vet. He had gone back to Vietnam and Laos to uh, rescue POWs after the war. This is a guy that served his country, served society, and he, but he wasn't a perfect person. None of us are. He had alienated most of his siblings. There was only one that visited him out of eight. Wow. And even many of the other Masons that he knew throughout his life didn't visit. But this was a guy who had was in need at the end of his life. He was dying of brain cancer, and he had one wish, to not die alone. So me and the guys from our lodge decided that we were going to adopt this guy and make him you know, give him, fulfill his last wish. And so we went several times a week. I went twice, two or three times a week. Other guys went once or twice a week and other guys came whenever they could. And for three months, we were there for him and visiting him. And, you know, people, even in Masonry, even though we've obligated ourselves and promised to do this, we're like, well, you don't even know that guy. Why did you do that? Because he needed help and he was dying. And like, isn't this the way we should treat each other right like that's why i see in freemasonry and why i do this stuff this is sort of a metaphor and setting an example to hold ourselves to a higher standard this is how we should treat each other we should be there for each other when someone needs something we should care that much about each other that even a stranger that says hey i'm dying and i don't want to die alone and if we're in a position to help we should yeah Right. Like that's the whole point to me. So, you know, when you're talking about these environments and offices and out in society or what that are so competitive, like this is the whole point of philosophy to me is that we need to recreate how we see each other and how we see society and how we relate to each other. We're all in this together. Right. That's not an opinion. We're on the planet at the same time. That's a right. fact. We're literally in this together. Yeah, it doesn't need to be this 
harsh. Right. And, and that's the way is how do we, how do we, so when I started this, it was, well, I can't do anything about all those other people out there. All I can do is try and be my best. Mm-hmm. And that's why I wrote the book. That's why I do this podcast. That's why I talk to people like you. That's all we're responsible for. If we each take on that responsibility to just try our best every day to be the best person we're capable of being that day, given whatever's going on in our lives, wouldn't that be a great world to live in? Yeah. Right? So that's the whole point. It, for me, and that's why I'm called to do this work. But for you, I think you've got to figure out what your calling is, and it doesn't have to happen tomorrow. Sometimes, like I said, it's just by taking a step and doing one thing, and that leads you to another thing. Right. It's so weird because I know what you're supposed to do, or like what I've been told before is like, right. <laughs> um, like take your passions and like turn it into a career, right? Yeah. Well, that's a dangerous path, too. <laughs> right. Because, like, well, first of all, you can start, like, not liking your passions anymore, right? Or, like, resenting Correct. parts about that's it. The... And then you took away your passions, and you're like, well, now what? Yeah, right. <laughs> um, And then another part is, like, do you ever feel like sometimes you don't even know what makes you happy or what you like? Totally. Yeah, because yeah. I, I guess I feel that all the time. Because you know why? It's things don't make you happy. Right. You make you happy. I make me happy. It's a choice. It's a choice that we all make or don't make. Uh, and I'll give you an example. Last <laughs> Before last week, I had decided, you know what? I, I'm not someone who's big on New Year's resolutions. I, to me, I'm constantly evaluating what do I need to do to be my best, right? That's sort of how I operate, especially in this last few years. So I had this great idea a couple of weeks ago. I'm going to start getting up earlier in the morning, like 7, 7.30, so that I can work out and, like, start my day fresh and free of anxiety, sort of like we were talking about before. Mm-hmm. And in the category of be careful what you wish for, immediately two days later we had back-to-back snowstorms and I was up at 6.30 shoveling for two hours. <laughs> <laughs> so I got my wish. Yeah, congrats. Uh, but in those moments, I'm not a big fan of winter. I lived in California for 20 years. Um, I like it in moments. But as, yeah, you know, as a four or five month thing where you're shoveling and cleaning your car all the time, um, you know, it's not that fun. But I had this, you know, I'm sitting there shoveling at 630 in the morning going, I asked for this and I have a choice. I can be miserable right now mm-hmm. wondering why I have to shovel or I can say, hey, you know what? I'm getting my exercise in. <laughs> I'm up early. Yeah. <laughs> right. And that was a choice that I literally made in that moment. To say, you know what, I'm going to enjoy this. I'm outside, the air is fresh and clean, right. and I'm getting exercise. Yeah. Sure, I'd rather be sleeping, but you know what, again, I can't help people from there. Like if right. I'm up and getting exercise, then I'm going to be better at the rest of my day. Yeah, it wasn't um, the exercise you expected, but it was right. still exercise. <laughs> yes, and it was, uh, it was welcome. But I think something you touched on is really important for people. I, as a music business professional or former music business professional, I would often have younger kids that just graduated college that would ask my advice about music or about film. And, you know, oftentimes they would say, well, I just love music. I, I, this is what I need to do. I'm like, well, okay, uh, let's talk about that. (laughs) Do you really love music that much to the point where it's something that you have to do this? Or do you just think that like, that's the career I should have? Because and I was warned about this and ignored it. Being in the music business can make you not like music as much. 
And it did happen to me as a concert promoter that it was finally I got to the point where I didn't like going to concerts. Oh, man. Yeah, and that sucked. Yeah. And it took me a couple of years after I st- until after I stopped that I could finally go and enjoy it. Mm. Because I would always see what was wrong, right? As so that was right. my job. Exactly, yeah. So it did kill my passion, and it can do that to, for you and to other uh, young people out there. Be careful. Sometimes, like you figured out intuitively, sometimes it's better to just keep your passion as your passion and then go right. do something else for work. Right, exactly. You don't want to, like, take all those options away. Yeah. yeah. Well, and, and you don't take them away, but it does change it. It's like seeing behind the curtain in The Wizard of Oz, right? Right. It changes your perspective, and you can never unsee it. Right, yeah. So, um, you know, you definitely want to be aware of that. And I would say to people, especially those who were trying to get in as singers or directors in the film business, like, is this something you feel like you have to do? Because if it's not, go do something else. Right. But if you feel like you have to do it, then then that's what you're here for and you got to go through it whether it works or not at a minimum you're going to learn a lot about why you had to do it right right so um let's see where are we we're getting about 48 minutes 50 minutes wow. see how fast that, that goes was really quick. right like, i thought it was like 10 minutes in <laughs> totally it's amazing and uh you want you, you now know why Joe Rogan often has podcasts that are like three and a half hours long. Yeah, right. <laughs> because it goes by so fast, and the 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 topics that he talks about on there are great. So, again, as an example of thinking, you might be thinking, "Well, I don't know if I can do a podcast." Well, sure you can. You can talk, and look how fast it goes by. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. So if you just started a podcast with some of your friends that were about telling stories about what you guys have been through, or the things that you like, or whatever. Mm-hmm and see what it turns into. Like, that's a great place to start and an opportunity that you have in this time where you're thinking, well, I should be somewhere else in my life. Right. Right. And and one of the pieces of advice that I learned and I try to give to everybody else is that you have to start from where you are, not where you wish you were. Right. Right. So it, that's the practice of acceptance. Right. And accepting where we are. And, and that's where the golf is a great example. Well, I just hit it into the woods. I don't want to be there. I want to be in the fairway. Okay, but you're in the woods. You have to find your way so out. So <laughs> go get the ball, find the ball, and hit it out. And it's then you hit it analogy. into the fairway, and then you continue from there. Yeah. Right? And so that's sort of where you are in your life, right? I'm in the woods. <laughs> you're in the woods. And that's okay. The woods can be nice. Yeah. Just I mean, you want to look out for poison oak and poison ivy and things like that and little critters that might jump on you. <laughs> but it can also be very peaceful and uh, a place where you can find a lot of perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, that's, uh, it's all about perspective and choosing on how you're going to look at things and, and, and how, uh, where you are in your life and what you want to do from here. Right. Right. So, uh, we got just a few minutes left. I've sort of, you know, directed this conversation. Is there anything else you want to talk about or you want to say, mm-hmm. uh, things we haven't talked about, things you're looking for perspective on where I might be able to help? Or just some things that you want to get off your chest that might make you feel better about something? I guess um, what I'm kind of curious about is, is this how you deal with, like, or I guess could you describe to me, like, when you have smaller issues, like not so earth-shattering, like, what am I going to do with my life? But, like, (laughs) smaller things that just come up daily, like, is this how you approach all your issues? Yeah, it's how I try to. I'm not always good at it. Like I said, I'm not a perfect person, right? Like there are times where I lose my temper. 
I try to deal with it in a healthy way where I'm not around anybody else. And sometimes I'll just scream at the top of my lungs, not so nice words, just to get it out. Right. (laughs) Right? So it doesn't go anywhere else. (laughs) Right. And doesn't get all over anybody else. Um, But yeah, it's, uh, you know, every day is a challenge. Right. There's different things that come. Some days are great. You're hardly challenged, but, you know, that doesn't happen too often. Excuse me. Um, Mostly you're going to be challenged in small ways throughout the day. And it's about just accepting that. Like I could be really frustrated about this thing or I could just accept that that's what it is right now and, you know, proceed the best that I can from here. Right. Right. That's what it really comes down to is breaking it down to keeping it simple. Right. This is the thing that happened. Now I have a choice about what I think about that thing that happened. And uh, now I have a choice on how to act or react to that, right? Usually reaction is not necessarily the best course. Right. It happens and it's going to happen and we'll never completely program ourselves away from reacting, right? Mm-hmm. And and there's a, there's a reason for that because sometimes the crazy things, something crazy might happen and you need to react. Right. Right? Um, but, you know, keeping perspective and awareness about, like, what what I think that most people do, and, and I've seen this especially in the professional environment, most people are reacting. And I've seen this in organizations to the point where they don't know how to act otherwise other than reacting and constantly creating chaos so that they're reacting because they don't know how to be proactive, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? So... Yeah. Um, there's a way of training ourselves about being more proactive. What are the things that I care about? You know, if I care, for me, I care about kindness. Guess what? That means I need to be kind to people even when I don't feel like it. Right. <laughs> and even when I think they don't deserve it. Because I think that I want to live in a world that's kind. Right. So that's what I do. I, I'm one of those people that believes in tolerance and that we should tolerate other people. We're all different, but we're all the same. We're all human beings. But that means I have to tolerate people that I don't necessarily like. Right. <laughs> and that's not fun. And it's not easy. And it takes practice. And so every little thing can be broken down to these things. And that's why I say it all comes back to self-awareness, honest but empathetic self-evaluation, and then making good choices. Do you want to choose to be happy today? Do you want to choose to be productive today? You know, what are you going to choose today? It's all there for your choosing. Things are going to happen, and you may or may not have to react to those things. So when you have to react, then you react. And when you don't, you take a step back from awareness and go, okay, what's my choice here? What are my choices, and what's the best one for what I want to get out of this situation? Right? Right. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. So it's, yeah, it's really a practice about the small things are where you want to practice, right? Because those are easier. Right, exactly. So the, the more that you practice with the small things, then you uh, eventually begin to apply it to bigger things. Like, oh, I'm, for instance, in a relationship, that person broke up with me and now I'm a wreck. Well, why are you a wreck? Are you choosing that? Right? Are you just reacting to the situation? Maybe this is really a good thing for you and you could see something that you're going to learn and grow from it. Like right. I did with my divorce. It is one of the most important, if not the most important things I ever went through in my life. Right. It was also one of, if not the hard, the most, uh, the hardest thing that I ever went through, right? right and then this year I had another. It was probably number two or number one, depending on the day for me. Is you know I helped my young cousin um, as he was dying from cancer, eighteen years old. 
Uh, and that's a really incredibly difficult thing. But it also taught me a lot. It, taught, right. it brings perspective about, you know, again, back to where we started this conversation. We don't know how much time we have left. None of us do. We're not here forever. We know that. We know that our time is finite. We should maximize it, and we should focus on the things that actually matter as opposed to most people function worrying about things that when you're lying on your deathbed one day, you know, God willing, you will have that experience to look back and be lying on your deathbed and go, okay, these are the things in my life that I'm thinking about. Most of the stuff you're worrying about now will not be on that list. Yeah, it's totally true. <laughs> right? So that's the perspective that, that we're talking about. And what, what I'm trying to bring to people is like, you know, this is your one shot at this life. Whether you believe in multiple lives or not, this life is only one. Mm-hmm. So we should do our best. And our best is when we're, you know, being aware and self-evaluating and making good choices. Right. Right? Yeah. Makes sense? It does. I think it's interesting, like, saying, you know, how are you going to choose to react to something? Because a lot of times you feel like you don't have any choice. Right. You're like, oh, I have to freak out about this because, like, this is an immediate thing. Yeah. But that's not how you have to react. Yeah, and that's just not true. Yeah. There, uh, being offended is one that I use a lot as an example. Being offended is a choice. It's generally not a good choice, but most of us choose it a lot. Right. Why? Because we think we have to. But we don't. You don't have to be offended by that person said something that you think isn't appropriate. Now, granted, there are times where it's appropriate to be offended by what somebody says or does. Right. But it's a very small group of things as opposed to the things that we all choose to be offended by. Right. And I think I've learned in my life that I live a much happier, more peaceful life when I choose not to be offended by the things that other people say and do. I don't have control over that. If it's something that, you know, really means something to me, I might say something like, you know, no judgment. You can say whatever you want, but I would appreciate it if you didn't say those things around me. You know, it can be that simple without being emotional about it. Not like, oh, my God, that person's a jerk. Why are they even here, right? Like, this is what I talk about when we talk about a kind and a tolerant society. We have to tolerate the people that that are different from us and that have different views on things. And the way we teach them to be better is not by jumping down their throat and telling them they're bad. It's by reacting calmly and saying, hey, you know, there's a better way to do this. Right. And leading by example. Yeah. Wow. Oh, I got a wow. There you go. We should almost end there on a high note. Um, we're actually at about an hour now, so it is a good time to end. Um, but is there anything else you want to say, anything you want to promote? I know you've got a lot of stuff figuring out, so you maybe don't yeah, have anything to, to promote, promote yet. <laughs> but, but maybe in the future. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm going to be here a lot, so hopefully uh, maybe we'll get you back on when you do have something to promote. And maybe yeah. you'll start. Maybe I'll come as a guest on your podcast one That'd of these so days. Cool, yeah. That'd be cool because you'd be there from like the very beginning. That's yeah. right. <laughs> That's right. All right, great. Well, Sophia Willinger, thank you for being on today and thank you for uh, being vulnerable in front of the listeners. That's what it's all about. Thank we, you for having me. Yeah. This yeah. was really cool. Yeah, good. I'm glad we did it. And uh, I can't wait to see what happens next for you. That's a, that's my choice is to be excited by you don't know what you're going to do next. That's pretty cool. Yeah, and I'm going to choose to be excited too. Yeah, good. <laughs> I like it. All right. Well, we'll end there. Um, it's the Zelosophy Podcast on social media. You can follow me at Zelosophy for all. That's at 
philosophy is spelled uh, like philosophy but with a Z. So at philosophy number four, A-L-L, philosophy.org is the website. If you have questions, comments, you want to talk to me, uh, I'd love to hear from you. That's info at philosophy.org. That's it for today. Uh, we'll be talking to you again soon.